This is the John Oakley Show podcast. The sound and the fury are visited upon this particular radio station. Anthony Fury, Sun Papers National columnist, is with us. Anthony, good afternoon. Hello, sir. And Andrew Clark, contributing writer for the Globe and Mail, an award-winning journalist, screenwriter, author, and by the way, director of the comedy writing and performance program at Humber College, making his first time visit. Good to have you on board, Andrew. Thank you for having me. I thank you both. Uh, I got to start with you, Anthony, because I was sort of really anxious to get to this, a column that you've just written about uh, it's time to unleash Doug Ford on Trudeau. And uh, we were laughing earlier that, you know, I mean, Doug Ford is sort of analogous to uh, in the movie Slapshot with Paul Newman, you know, where the other team is the specter looms that they've got a goon to meet the Johnstown (laughs) Chiefs, Ogie Oglethorpe. And if they bring him out, uh, all hell's going to break loose. So uh, what was the point and purpose? What was your thinking, or how do you see this one? Well, Doug Ford has been MIA. A lot of people have made the point. Uh, liberal, conservative Andrew Horvath, they're saying, where's Doug Ford? Whether that's in concern with uh, the the very the QP, you know, potential stu- the strike at the schools, which didn't happen, of course, or the federal election. And word on the street is that he's seen as something of a liability for Andrew Scheer because... He's a little down in the polls, and he's not so popular right now, so please don't come out, because that may hurt us a little bit. And Justin Trudeau, well, he's just itching to compare these two guys, and Justin Trudeau is just itching to say, oh, Doug Ford, Doug Ford, so don't give Trudeau what he wants. I have a little bit of a different take on that, on that establishment wisdom. Trudeau's itching for a fight, and he's itching for a fight with Doug Ford, and he's got his chin really sticking out in the ring. He's a boxer. He should know better than to do all of that. And nobody's given him a fight. I mean, Andrew Shear, Jugmeet Singh, Elizabeth May, you know, she's chirping him a little bit. But <laughs> nobody's really given this guy a rough ride, even though he's got this four-year record. He doesn't want to do the foreign policy debates for obvious reasons. It's his weak file. We just found out that he has an almost decade-long uh, fondness for donning the blackface at every seeming available opportunity. I mean, this is some stuff, but nobody's really taken him up against the ropes and, you know, gone for, gone for the clobbering. And Doug Ford's a guy who does that. And I get the conventional wisdom. Like, oh, not doing too well in the polls. But here's the thing. Doug Ford, he thrives in these environments. He gets Ford Nation out, which is a very diverse collection of people, politically, movement-wise, you know, all across the board. And he's a winner. He won the majority of, he, he won the leadership slam dunk. He won a majority in the election. I think when it's fighting time, that's when Doug Ford really does his best. Justin Trudeau wants a fight Give it to him. And I think all these people who have a set rule, a set framework in their mind of how that will unfold, that, oh, it'll just be Justin Trudeau. You know, why is it assuming that he's going to win this battle? He may not. All right. Well, let's turn to Andrew. How do you see it? Is that a a risk uh, worthy uh, of assuming? Well, I guess the question is if if Doug Ford does come out and ask anyone in this province, if I say Doug Ford, they immediately know who we're talking about. He's a completely identifiable, strong personality. If he comes out and he does beat uh, Justin Trudeau, how does that make Andrew Scheer look as a candidate to be leader of the country? He can almost look less than Doug Ford, who's a very strong politician who's who knows his base. He knows how to uh, mobilize people. Andrew Scheer's biggest problem, I think, just as someone looking out from the bleachers, is no one has any idea who he really is. And so... It's a it's a gamble, I would say. If you if you can get Doug Ford to come out and do that, it's almost like getting somebody to fight your battles for you. 
And it's really supposed to be Andrew Shearer's election to win or lose, right? Well, they brought Jason Kenney in from out west last weekend. I think he had 16 events in the GTA because he had built inroads into provincial ethnic communities and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that wasn't seen as a liability. No, but I think that Doug Ford, uh, if he's looking to the next election, is thinking about running to be prime minister. Okay. Why not? Well, oh, I see. So, uh, a, Why would he want to run this election when he can wait for the next one? Well, I, okay. Uh, so this might be uh, something that would deter the sheer forces from even wanting him to come out because he would be seen as potential leadership replacement material. Is that square with any version you can see, Anthony? Well, I guess that's always a risk, but you don't want to isolate yourself from every other sort of credible fighter out there. I, I mean, I, I take the point that it is a gamble, and I'm saying it's a gamble worth having because it's an, also a gamble, to bring back the slapshot metaphor, to bench one of your star players, which is basically what's going on here. A guy who, a guy who wants to get into a scrap and a guy who's very, uh, has some problems with Justin Show. I mean, don't forget, there was a time about a year ago, uh, Doug Ford riding high in the polls. He really had Trudeau against the ropes. And I think I wrote a piece. I don't, I don't know if I wrote the piece or if I was just saying in commentary, but Doug Ford was running Canada for a bit because he was pushing the feds on the defense when it came to the border issue, when it came to a bunch of financial issues. He was the one really pushing against the carbon tax, and he was owning the moment there on multiple fronts. And and he was also battling the city of Toronto at the same time. I mean, he was, you know, forget, oh, you shouldn't do a war on two fronts. Doug Ford was doing a war on three fronts, um, municipal, provincial, and federal, and he was thriving in that environment. So it can happen again. Well, what premise would you use to bring him out of the catacombs and then say, sick him, boy? I mean, uh, based on what? Like, what areas would he specifically target? The carbon tax. Carbon tax, okay. The border issue. Uh, what matters for Toronto? What matters for Ontario? Andrew Shear just made a commitment about funding some some transit needs, some public right. transit needs in the GTA. You could have the premier around uh, for that, or, or at least to come and comment on that. So there are there are opportunities. You know, hey, it's a federal election, and there's a huge interplay between the feds and the provinces. So you know, pick a number. Well, yeah, here are some large numbers. I mean, you know, Jagmeet Singh just came out with his list of six priorities that he wants. I mean, dental uh, care and uh, eye care and uh, waiving student tuition fees and oh boy it's just got price tag attached to it that's uh but then again uh you got to say to yourself you know you're right about uh with Andrew Shear in town i think it was total of maybe ooh i'm going to do the math roughly 16 billion for transit right. they were going to extend the young line up to Richmond Hill and the other was the Ontario line that they would fund to the tune of about 10.811 billion dollars that should be the triage one that's the one you want to get to first okay well uh let me ask you Andrew is this turning into an auction this federal election campaign I mean it's become ridiculous the price tags affixed to some of these promises no well I think for the NDP they can make a lot of promises that they don't necessarily with all due respect I know the election still has to be held that that they don't necessarily have to keep uh, where the other two parties have to try to make something that they could actually adhere to when and if they're elected. But I think if you mentioned transit and transportation, those are huge factors, certainly in the GTA. And you see a lot of people promising spending a lot of money when the less sort of um, attractive uh, or, for lack of a word, sexy solutions are things like, frankly, more buses, bus lanes, bus only, things like, like they're doing in places like Bogota, which can have an immediate impact on moving people around. For the average voter, you're talking about stuff like 
it won't even happen in some of their lifetimes that this stuff won't be completed. So it's a it's an interesting conundrum. And then you got to factor in autonomous vehicles. How is that going to change the way we get around? If you look at the streets now with Uber and Lyft, there's more people doing U-turns than ever before because <laughs> they're they're constantly having to turn around. So uh, it's it's a great question. I think that it they're promising a lot of things that we don't necessarily hope that they'll make good on. What I think people really want to see is actual concrete solutions. And that's easy for me to say. I'm not the one having to provide it. But that's what I think people are looking to with transportation. Well, the taxpayer is going to have to provide it. That's the whole thing. Uh, a lot of folks are, you know, really dismissing that aspect to it, saying this is all well and good. I mean, we're getting freebies. We're getting this, and they're not, obviously. But uh, it's turned into, this seems to me, uh, the first election campaign where austerity would be a toxic word. You can't talk about physical responsibility in any way, shape, or form. I mean, that's my perception, Anthony. Am I wrong? Oh, you're completely right. The two biggest deficits, pardon the pardon the pun here, that we have in this election debate, one is that foreign affairs not being discussed at all, even though it's probably one of the only issues that is the exclusive domain of the federal government, and they were going to do the monk debates on it, Trudeau backed out. They could have revised that English Language Debates Commission event we had a few days ago to put foreign affairs as one of those five planks. They did not. And the second one is debt and deficits. I mean, it's it's really, truly something that Justin Trudeau announces, hey, guys, I'm going to be running a $28 billion deficit in year one, which is what he unveiled the other day, and then it's 27 and 24 or something like that. I mean, these staggering deficits. And at least four years ago when he said we're only going to run $10 billion deficits, he even acknowledged that was a bit extreme. I know, guys, it's crazy talk, but hear me out. And then the good people of Canada said, you know what, we don't mind this guy, we're tired of the old guy, we'll take you up on the offer. And then suddenly it ballooned to $30 billion again, but now he's just saying, well, whatever, I guess they don't care, I'll just call it $28 billion. And, and maybe he's being honest, maybe it'll end up being $35 billion or $40 billion, all at a time when the debt-to-GDP ratio, it's okay. You know, it's not ringing the alarm bells, but if we have a recession, you need a bit more wiggle room. I mean, the godfather of liberal economics, John Maynard Keynes, he says, now's the time you got to clean up the books. you got to kind of roll it back a bit to get ready. Uh, for the next storm. That's what we got. If we want any of these things, the transit, whatever we're talking about, right? you got to pay for it. Let's come back. Uh, it's the sound and the fury. Anthony Fury, Andrew Clark, Oakley Show continues. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.